From Auto Finance News, my name is William Hoffman, and thanks for joining us for this special conversation on the auto finance space in Asia. We've been ramping up our coverage of the continent in anticipation of the Auto Finance Summit Asia, a multi-day conference featuring presentations and panel discussions from some of the region's top executives. The summit will be held on September 5th and 6th at the Grand Hyatt Shanghai, featuring speakers from Dongfeng Nissan Auto Finance, U.S. Bank, and S&P Global Ratings, as well as many more. Today, I'm joined by Chaz Roscoe, who is currently employed by State Farm Bank as Director of Vehicle Lending and Agent Banking. However, for the purposes of this conversation, he's not representing State Farm. Rather, I talked with him about his 35 years of experience in the auto finance industry, the challenges auto lenders face in China, and industry best practices that can be applied across the globe. In this conversation, Chaz gives a good sneak peek into the presentation he'll deliver for the first day of the conference, entitled Fundamentals of Risk Management for Auto Finance. He provides a lot of good insights here, and we thank him for joining us on the special podcast. Please enjoy this conversation with Chaz Roscoe. All right. Hi, Chaz. Uh, thanks so much for uh, joining us on the podcast. Good morning, William. Nice to speak with you. Yeah. Maybe you could start by uh, telling our audience a little bit uh, about yourself, uh, give a brief explanation of uh, your experience in the auto finance space. Sure. Um, I have 35 years of auto finance experience. I started out uh, out of college at GMAC in Boston, which of course was General Motors Acceptance Corporation, which later in life became Ally. Uh, but basically, this is where I learned about collections, underwriting, dealership management, inventory, finance, etc. I also worked at two large regional U.S. banks that are among the top auto finance producers in the United States. I've owned my own auto finance company um, in my career, and I also spent six years consulting in the U.S., as well as eight other countries. I currently work at State Farm Bank, which is a subsidiary of the largest insurer of cars and homes in the United States. Uh, what's interesting, William, too, is my wife happens to be from Beijing, China, so I'm really looking forward to this conference in Shanghai. Uh, we've been married 12 years, and our sons are seven and nine years old. I can tell you, William, the first time I visited China was 10 years ago in 2008. I, I was mostly impressed not by the number of people in Beijing and Shanghai, but just how friendly everyone is regardless of how dense the population was and i can tell you both cities shanghai and beijing are alive and thriving with beautiful buildings there's amazing restaurants and probably the coolest transportation systems in the world yeah definitely this will be uh, my first time visiting the area and uh, i'm uh, very excited to uh, get to learn some of that uh, infrastructure and everything else uh, we've been obviously increasing our uh, coverage of the uh, Asia space and Chinese space and you know the Chinese auto finance market is uh, very large obviously it brought in an estimated 165 billion uh, in 2017 in uh, auto uh, outstandings for a little over a 38% penetration rate uh, in the market according to the China automotive finance industry report the US is still uh, bringing in more volume obviously but the uh, potential in China is uh, also very vast uh, how, how should lenders be, you know, approaching this uh, vast market and, and attaining profitability? Wow, I, I love this question, William. Um, and, and if you ask 10 people, you get 10 different opinions, but here's mine, and I like to keep it to facts. 
Let's take a look at 2017. You mentioned China produced $165 billion in auto loans. As a comparison, in the United States, the United States originated just over half a trillion, or $560 billion. So if you look at the quote of penetration, so of all cars sold, what percent were financed? In China, it was 38%. It's up from the prior year's 20, and I think it's trended towards 50%. Well, in the USA, of all cars that are sold, uh, 75% of those are financed. Um, and most of those financings occur at the dealership at the point of sale. I would say close to 70% of those loans are closed at dealerships. But let's take a look at this. The 320 million people um, in the USA is very small compared to the population of 1.3 billion people in China. Um, so we simply can't take 75% of 1.3 billion population in China as a potential for auto finance production. So let's, let's put it in perspective this way. China's largest cities could not handle more vehicles on the road, and traffic must be managed. So the way I like to look at it is, is like this. Let's take a look at the population in a, a city known for really tough traffic like Atlanta. The population of Atlanta is about a half a million. The population of, say, Dallas is 1 to 1.3 million people. Chicago, which is close to where I live, 3 million people. Los Angeles, 4 million people. And in New York City, 9 million people. William and Shanghai, there's 24 million people. Beijing, 22 million. And some other, what we would refer to, or what Chinese would refer to as their other larger cities, Gangzhou, Shenzhen, and Xi'an, uh, 14.5 million, 12 million, and 12 million prospectively. So just, just take a look at New York at 9 million, and even the fifth largest populous city, Xi'an, is 12 million. Well, so imagine infrastructure or the people per square mile in those cities. Um, road and traffic become a challenge, and it must be managed. So currently, how, do they, how does China manage that traffic? It's by having drivers use their cars every other day, and that's easily handled by license plate tag number and enforced with cameras. It's a wonderful idea, actually, and a great solution to their challenge. I often wonder if America or American cities would experiment with this tactic. But make no mistake, the public transportation system in China is so advanced and omnipresent, most people don't need cars, William. Uh, most cars in China are purchased brand new, and used cars are gifted to family, friends, and coworkers. But the used car market is certainly developing. But keep in mind, in the U.S., for every new car sold, there are two to three used cars sold, based on who you ask. But my point is, the used car market is much larger in the U.S., and efficient retail delivery channels exist, as well as robust auction systems for handling used cars. Um, you know, those auctions, of course, in the U.S. handle dealer trades, off-lease vehicles, expired rental cars, repossessions, etc. So I, I think as China develops, certainly there's a lot of potential. And, and to quantify that, I just like to look at statistics. And, and those are some of the statistics I would leave with, with the audience, and that is... If China has 165 billion in originations in 2017 and America had 560 billion, it's just a mathematical certainty that China will surpass America and auto loans outstanding as the Chinese consumers embrace uh, the acceptance of consumer finance. And, and they have. Um, for thousands of years, Chinese people pay cash. Um, 
and and actually I think America can take a, a tip from the Chinese people and not getting overly leveraged with their household debt. Um, and I think America is getting a handle on that, and, and China is embracing um, you know, the natural fit of how consumer finance can, can assist people help their lives uh, and acquire things uh, like homes and cars. I think it's also worth mentioning, William, that Rural Media Group's Big Wheels report shows that the top 100 U.S. auto lenders make up $1. trillion in outstanding auto loans. And the hundredth lender on that list has a billion in outstanding loans. So while the top hundred auto lenders in the U.S. do make up most of the auto loans in the United States, let's not forget that the U.S. has 8,000 banks, 7,000 credit unions, a handful of captive manufacturing auto finance companies like Toyota Motor Credit, Ford Motor Credit, Honda, and thousands of finance companies. Uh, so that is a pretty large market. Um, but I guess that that was a wonderful experiment on uh, how not to answer a question. <laughs> Let's just say that the potential for the Chinese auto finance market is huge and much larger in the U.S., but it'll take time, but not that much time, William. At the Auto Finance Summit in Asia in Shanghai, I plan to share a slide that shows world population by city plotted against world GDP. Now that is going to be an eye-opener. Make no mistake, uh, China is going to be a major world power and uh, I can't wait. I'm excited about it. Yeah, one of those challenges that you highlighted there uh, was, you know, managing credit losses and sort of the uh, how consumers are uh, managing their credit, right? So, so what are sort of the, some of the challenges in keeping those credit losses low in China? Uh, my understanding, as you were sort of explaining there a little bit, is that you know credit histories are not as uh, detailed detailed as they are here in the U.S. Yeah, let me answer that in two parts because uh, that, that's we could make a conference just on that topic alone. And this is why, William, the key to profitability in auto lending does not vary by country. Uh, that is a common thread in our industry of auto lending. The key to auto lending profitability is the same for all lenders across the globe. And the key to that success or profitability is control of the credit loss expense or repos. Uh, let me elaborate just a little bit. If you take a look at the ROA or return on assets on a typical auto loan, just one unit in basis points, let's hypothetically say I have an average coupon or an average interest rate of 750 basis points. Um, I have to subtract losses in prime, let's say, of 100 basis points, prime and super prime. Um, and I have a cost of funds, and I have a net margin. And then I have miscellaneous fees uh, to cover my collection costs like late charges or document fees. Uh, and then, of course, I have my origination costs, my uh, servicing costs, my corporate allocation. Uh, the bottom line is I'm striving for a 1% ROA in, auto, in the auto industry across the board. Um, and that will vary if you're a prime lender, a subprime lender, or a full-spectrum lender. But make no mistake, all those metrics I just mentioned, you have very little control of except the credit loss expense. So you can't control cost of interest rates uh, or the cost of uh, money. You can't control your rates to a point, but you got competition to worry about. You cannot be too far out of the market. Um, your overhead is based on the company you work at, and your economies of scale with how much operating leverage the lender has. Operating leverage is simply, I'm referring to, how much uh, volume do you drive to your fixed costs. Uh, so your net credit loss is the most volatile yet controllable expense. 
that can be as low as one lender is 10 basis points. And for a lot of lenders, it's 200 basis points. For a full spectrum lender, I would expect 100 to 150 basis points. Subprime, you get to losses of 5%. So the fastest way to grow an auto portfolio is to lower the rate or buy deeper, right? But both of those strategies are the Achilles heel of the auto lender, both erode ROA. Um, that's the first part of how I'd answer that question. Um, you asked me what are the challenges in keeping credit losses low in China and that their credit histories are not as detailed in the U.S. That's, a, that's spot on, William. The U.S. has, as we know, has primary uh, databases called credit rating agencies or, or credit bureau repositories. And they've had those three companies that have maintained those data, databases for decades. So that's a very robust way to judge someone's credit and put a score on it. Everyone's familiar with what the credit score is. Um, China's developing their database for consumer credit. But I can tell you this, loans are made not much different than in the U.S. if you think about, about it. Um, in China, loans are made more based on where they bank, their job stability, um, their record with that bank, their income in their job, residency, loan to value, just like America and other factors. Um, naturally, the same data U.S. lenders are embracing to supplement traditional credit bureau data apply in China too. And that data includes payment history with your home living space, your apartment, cell phone use, utility payments made on time, short-term cash advances, etc. So that big data, which is traditionally not in credit bureaus, is, is certainly getting traction in U.S. for the last five years. Um, I've also read articles in the U.S. about a strong correlation, William, between a person's social media behavior, um, like Facebook and Twitter, and associated risk. Of course, Facebook and Twitter uh, aren't prominent in China. In fact, they're not in China, but China has similar social media outlets. Um, such models would struggle in the U.S. given our strict yet essential fair lending laws and equal credit opportunity acts and regulations but maybe such models are feasible in China. I'll leave that to the Chinese experts. Right, right. Well, one of the um, other challenges you had mentioned earlier on uh, was uh, the used car market, right? So how, how can lenders sort of control for that collateral uh, backing the loan? I know that I and uh, some other sources have reported in the past that the used market is, uh, in particular provides a number of challenges to lenders in China. Yeah, um, I'm going to tackle that one this way, William. I can tell you this. You have loans going in origination, and then you have how do you cure defaults. Going in, you have all the credit metrics that I talked about making good underwrite decisions. On the back end, it comes down to two things. Do you have a lien on your title, um, a perfected lien? And uh, what do you do once you do have a default? How do you secure your collateral? Well, I think for, for China, they do the same thing that Americans do. They get an MCO from the manufacturer, um, no different across the globe. Uh, manufacturers issue a manufacturer's certificate of origin, and that, based on your state in America or in China, becomes your, your title or your document of ownership, and the lender would put a lien against that. Um, but I think what's more important um, in subprime lending in America, and particularly in China with such large populations, um, is to control the collateral. Uh, so I, I would say the best thing that the Chinese could do is do what America does or American lenders do in the non-prime and subprime world, and that is consider location devices installed um, very efficiently 
uh, on cars financed. Um, those location devices make it easier for a lender to recover their collateral. Now let's keep in mind, when you're talking of delinquency of 1%, that means 99% of the uh, of your portfolio is paying is agreed. I like to think of it in, in that positive light. If 99% of the portfolio is performing in 1% delinquency or 2% delinquency, that's not too bad, right? But you still have to deal with defaults. I do think the best way is is to know where your collateral is. Um, as, there's an old saying in the U.S. that I learned early on in my career some 35 years ago, and that is possession is half the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you particularly got to comply with those laws, if that makes sense. Definitely, definitely. So I think you've highlighted a lot of, uh, you know, great best practices here for both, you know, U.S. lenders who might be looking to get into China as well as, you know, lenders who uh, are in China now and, you know, uh, just need uh, practices that have been, you know, tried and true for for a number of decades now. Um, Is there any other tips that you might give or uh, industry advice that you uh, might provide to, to the listeners out there? You know, William, there is, and in fact, there's two more other other than control the credit loss expense. There's uh, I have two more that are absolutely essential, and I uh, two more things that the lenders really have to be careful of, and where throughout my career I've seen lenders stub their toe on. Well, I think I'm going to save that for those who attend your conference on September 5th and 6th. Because uh, I know this is a podcast, and I, I want to save some thunder for the presentation. I'm really looking forward to it. But I can tell you, you cannot miss these other two points. <laughs> is that okay with you? That's perfectly fine by me. We'll be in uh, Shanghai at the Grand Hyatt Shanghai on September 5th and 6th. Uh, you'll be there giving a presentation. We'll have uh, presentations from uh, uh, Dongfeng Nissan uh, Auto Finance Company. We'll have a U.S. Bank in attendance. So uh, we're looking forward to... Um, a lot of great conversations happening at the conference this year. Wonderful. I am looking forward to it, Liam. Great. Chaz, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you.